Good morning. Glad you came to church today. Has there ever been one of those days where you just didn't feel like coming, but you came anyway, and then you were glad that you did? Well, today was one of those days for me. Woke up at 4, didn't go back to sleep until just before the alarm goes off. You know how that goes? And then you can just sleep like a baby, but you got to get up. Well, I don't know. I, I'm just glad that I am here today. And we're looking at another major narrative from the Bible. There's 31 in all that we're looking at in the story. Today we're going to look at the story of the wilderness wanderings. I'm sure Moses leading the children of Israel through the wilderness was kind of like herding cats. I mean, it is estimated that there were like two and a half million of them. Talk about leading a church with some pressure. How would you like to have a church that big? And they're all a bunch of sniveling, whining, crybabies that were fussing and fighting. And, and picture this. This church doesn't stay in one place very long. They're kind of like on a road trip to the promised land. And you know what the question is? All the time. You ever been on a road trip? Remember your parents... You, you understand this. Parents, I want you to finish this statement if you have small children and you're on a road trip. Are we there? Yes. You got it. And that's what they're constantly saying to Moses. Are we there yet? We used to take an annual trip to Phoenix, Arizona, where my Uncle J.D. and Aunt May lived. And uh, all the way there, I mean, it was just, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And this was back before the days of, you know, video games, put in a DVD and just watch it and kick back and relax. I mean, mom and dad tried to help out with crossword puzzles and, you know, coloring books, but it didn't last long. And, and there's, there's, there's Joe and, and there's Phyllis in the middle and there's Bruce and, and we're fighting and bickering and complaining along the way. And you ever have your dad say this to you? Don't make me pull this car over. My dad never did. He, he, when, when we'd start fussing and fighting, his arm was long enough that somehow, someway, he was able to whack all three of us. Now, the car was going all over the place, all right? It had been better had he pulled the car over, but wasn't going to slow down that road trip. He wanted to get us there, and that's kind of how Moses feels. I want to get you to the promised land, but we're in that wilderness time. We're in the wandering time. They're headed toward the promised land. They just haven't got there yet. They're in those wandering period. And here's a good definition of wandering. It, it goes like this. There you go. Wandering is living in the space between where we started and where we want to be. Amen? You um, college graduates know what it's like to work your way through college. And you got that job at Starbucks, and, and man, you're working it every day, and you're doing those classes, and then finally, graduation day comes, and you get your diploma, and you take that hat and that cap, and you throw it so high, and you are so happy, and two years later, you're still working at Starbucks. The job market's just not there. You are in the wandering years. Some of you have been wanted to wanted to be married, and now you're past your 20s, and you're past your 30s, and your early 40s, and you're just, want, is that day ever going to come? You're in the wandering years. Don't give up. Some of you have had health issues, 
And yet, Lord, am I ever going to get well? And, and you're praying for a healing. It's great to see Mildred here today, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? And I remember one day visiting her. It was at Kindred. Judy, you were there. And I said, Mildred, what, what can I pray for you today? She said, pray that I get to go back to church. And we held hands that day, all three of us, and we prayed. And here she is today. But some of you are still wandering, physically saying, Lord, am I going to get any better? Is, is my marriage going to work out? Is, are my kids going to pull it together? Wandering, wandering, wandering. What do you do in the wandering years? You don't give up. It, you, you, you started off in one place, and you want to end up in another, but you're not there yet. You're sort of in the middle. Let me give you a map of what it was like for Israel. Um, they started off down here in Egypt. You see that little green portion that leads into the Mediterranean Sea? That's the Nile River. Many tributaries, lakes, rivers, fish aplenty, food aplenty. They talk about melons. They talk about leeks. They talk about onions. They talk about garlic. They had a lot of bad breath there in Egypt. But, but they want to go back to that. That's where they started. But then God says, okay, I'm going to take you to a better place. See that green zone right there called Canaan? Oh, luscious place too. The Bible describes it. God says, you're going to love this place. You're going, to, you're going to reap from vineyards that you did not have to plant. It's already going to be planted for you. You're going, to, you're going to reap crops, grain, harvest that you didn't have to work for. You're going to have entire homes, villages, civic centers, shopping malls, all going to be there for you in that land flowing with milk and honey. It's Canaan's land I'm on my way. We used to sing the song. But look at this dry place here called the Sinai Peninsula. That is desert, folks. That's that middle ground. That's where they're wandering right now. And it's real easy to complain when you're in a place like this. Next slide. That's what it looked like. The land in between looked just like that. That's the Sinai Peninsula. Not a very pleasant place. They want to get to Canaan's land. But right now, they've got to spend some time in the wandering middle ground. And that's where some of you are living your life right now. You've been praying and praying and praying. I started off over here, and God, here's my preferred destination, but I'm right here stuck in the middle. What do you do when you're stuck in the middle? That's what I want us to talk about today. Israel did some things that weren't so great. Israel had really three complaints. Let's take a look at their complaints from Numbers 11 to 12. Israel complained about just the general hardships of the trip. But you know what I would say to Israel if I were Moses? Yeah, you know, that, 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 that first place, that desert place, that middle place, that wandering place, maybe not so great, but I tell you what, it's a whole lot better than slavery, Amen. I mean, you're not forced to work every day and get a day off, never get a day off. And, you, and when you don't work hard enough or fast enough, you got that taskmaster's what? Whip cracking down on you. You know, the, the middle space on the way to the promised land doesn't look so bad when you think about it that way, amen? And then what else did they complain about? Well, oh, before we move on to that, I want you to understand something. While they're in the desert place, while they're in that wandering, it wasn't like God wasn't with them, right? They even had, uh, he's got a great GPS in his car. Have you ever used it? This nice voice speaks to you. You know, turn right in one 
at the next exit, turn left. Oh, so pleasant. So, you know, you've gone too far. Please turn around. Very polite, very pleasant. Well, they had the first GPS. They had a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night saying, follow me this way, kids. Moses is your leader, but I'm the real leader. Follow me. Pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And I don't know about you. Yeah, I could, I could be in a bad spot, but when I see God saying, this way, son, this way, daughter, man, I'm there, I'm in. I can see God's presence right there. You know what else they had? They had provision. They had food. They had water from a rock. Did you know, little known fact, a lot of people overlook this, that their threads, their clothing didn't wear out during that 40 years of wandering. I don't care how many times they washed their shirt, the garment never never wore out. Their sandals never wore out. Their feet never swelled up. Talk about provision from God. And what are they doing? Complaining, complaining, complaining. Kids on a road trip. Israel's second complaint is about the food. Every day, same thing. Manna, manna, manna. And they focused on what they didn't have rather than focusing all those things on what I just mentioned, what they did have. And then Miriam, older sister Miriam, Older brother Aaron, you know what their complaint was? How come I'm not the leader? I should be the leader. I'm older than Moses. I'm wiser than Mo- I'm smarter than Moses. And God says, I didn't choose you. That's why. And Miriam, boom, because you complain, you're going to get leprosy. Boom. Whoa. Sorry, God said too much already. And it were not for Moses, little brother Moses. Oh, Lord, please restore her to her health. God said, okay, because you said so, I'll do it. But boy, I tell you what, Miriam never complained again after that, right? Because she knows leprosy's coming. See, when God chooses a leader, whether you like the leader or not, whether you understand the leader or not, whether it's your choice or not, you better go along with God's plan. Because when you speak ill against the leader, it's going to come down hard on you. Israel takes a dangerous, dangerous wrong turn at a place called Kadesh Barnea. Numbers 13. Let me show you where this is at. Now remember, Egypt's way over there, land of Goshen, where they started. They get all the way over to Kadesh Barnea. See the upper right there, that big dot? It's just a hop, skip, and a stone's throw away from the promised land, where they were going to enter on that occasion. And just before going into the promised land, Moses says, gather 12 men. One from each tribe. Have them go into the promised land. We can't have two and a half million tranching in. They're all going to know we're there. Spy out the land. Check it all out. Figure out the best place for us to enter. See if it's not that land flowing with milk and honey, just like God said it would be. And so they did. Forty days later, they return, and they bring back some of the bounty of the land. The grapevines were so huge and so lush that they took two men. They put a pole through the, the, the grapevines, and two men had to carry him back to camp. Luscious. And, and Moses says, was it, was it a land flowing with milk and honey just like God said it would be? Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. It is wonderful. But, whenever you hear a but, you, you know there's a problem coming. Ten of those 12 spies had a bad report. That's what the NIV says. The Hebrew says they came back with an evil report and said, but we can't take the land. There are giants in the land, Nephilim in the land, 
They're larger. They're stronger. They are bigger than we are, and it cannot be done. There were two spies named Joshua and Caleb. They came back with a good report. And they said, we can do it, folks. With God on our side, this is going to be a wonderful, wonderful victory. And God is just going to lay on us this beautiful bounty in this land flowing with milk and honey. And you know what the ten did? The ten started saying, don't listen to those two young fools. We are like grasshoppers. Next slide. In our own eyes. That's how Israel, the ten spies, saw themselves. And when they saw themselves that way, it became infectious. They started spreading the fear, the gossip, the discouragement among the camp, so much so that Numbers 14.1 and following read like this. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Not just bad, but an evil report. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And that night, it just took one night for this to spread to two and a half million people. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Folks, it's a very dangerous thing when you start gossiping and preaching fear and doubt and panic and discouragement among God's people. Churches can do this. Don't fall into this trap. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Really, it's against God. Because God is the one that led Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt, or even in the desert, why is the Lord, see who they're blaming, bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Wouldn't it have been better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. That's how discouraged they were. They were ready to give up on God's plan, all that had taken place up to that point, choose a new leader, and go back. And because of that kind of unbelief, you know what God says is going to happen to that church? You're going to wander in this wilderness, this in-between period, for 40 years. 40 years of going around in circles. You feel like you're going around in circles over and over and over again? Check yourself and say, look, am I living in fear? Am I living in panic? Am I living in doubt? Maybe that's my problem. Maybe I need to get over this and get my eyes on God, not on the giants in the land. Those giants are just obstacles that life's going to bring. It's the wilderness that life's going to bring from time to time, but we've got a God that's bigger than your obstacles. We've got a God that's bigger than those giants, and he will deliver you. Only two made it out. God says, if you... If, You adults aren't going to act like adults and show some leadership to the kids. Well, then I'm going to raise up the kids. No one 20 years or over is going to make it into the promised land. And God had to get up and raise up a new, younger, believing generation. And what happened to the older ones? They died off in the wilderness. And 40 years go by before they make this crossing of the Jordan River into the promised land, which we'll get to in the future. Israel... Here's here's something I want you to understand this morning as well. Israel 
was delayed by design, and at least on two points. The first one, I want you to take a look at this map here. When they first, now let's go back. Let's go back in time. Uh, the ten plagues have just happened. They go out and they're trapped by mountains on one side, the Red Sea on another, and Pharaoh coming up the rear and going to wipe them all out. Remember, God does a miracle, parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry land. And what happens to the pursuing army as they go into the Red Sea? The water comes in on them, right? Pharaoh and all of his men were destroyed. And now they're on the other side doing a dance. I mean, Marion's dancing. She's laughing. She's happy. Everyone's a happy camper and really glad toward God and glad toward Moses when everything's going well. They partied it up when they got to the other side. But God says, you're ready for a good party. You're just not ready for a good battle yet. You know, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And they could have made it to the promised land in a relatively short time, even with that big of an entourage. You see over here the land of Goshen? You see the seacoast there, the Mediterranean Sea there at the top? Toward the land of the Philistines. See that Gaza, that road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza? That's where the Ethiopian eunuch, that's the journey he took. But way back then, Philistines ruled that area. Who were the Philistines? Enemies or friends? Friend or foe? They were foes, folks. And they knew how to fight. They were a well-trained militia. Was, was Israel ready to fight a battle right out of the gate? No. What were they? Bricklayers, sheep herders, farmers. They weren't ready for a good fight. And so God does what? He delays them by design, on purpose, in the beginning. And uh, that's exactly what happens. They're delayed on purpose. They weren't ready for battle. And so here's what I want you to understand. Did they eventually make it to the promised land? Yes. And so a delay is not necessarily a denial. Amen? Some of you are in the wilderness. And you think, because I'm being delayed, God is denying me where I want to be. That is not true. God may be delaying you because you're just not ready for that blessing yet. You're not ready for the battles that that blessing might even bring. There's a second reason why God may delay us in the wilderness. Deuteronomy. I didn't do it. There's an app for that. Got you all back? Got your attention? Huh? 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 It's called testing. Whenever something almost falls on the preacher's head, this is a test. <laughs> and whenever you feel like you're in the wilderness and you go, Father, i got to make a decision. Do I pay my bill or do I give my offering, my tithe? It's as if God's saying from heaven, this is a test. God tests us all the time. Watch this. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. God led you through the wilderness how long? 40 years. What's the next word? Testing you to find out how you would respond and if you would obey him. Sadly, the adults, the ones that were supposed to have been mature, failed the test. And 40 years of wandering took place. Don't be like them. 
So if you're in your own wilderness, whatever it may be, and you're wondering, how long, O oh Lord, what should I do? What do I do while I'm waiting? Let me give you four quick things. Number one, don't fear. Don't fear. That was Israel's first mistake. Look at this picture. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 26. They would not enter the land. Why? They said, we are afraid. What are you afraid of? Well, can't you see? They're stronger and they're taller than we are. Yeah? I picture that, that young, young one there. I picture that as Joshua and Caleb, right? They said, we can do this. There will come along a, another narrative as we move forward in the Bible about another giant and another boy named David. And who did he keep his eyes on? The giant or God? He didn't look how big the giant was. He looked at how big his God was. Does that make sense? So don't look at your problem and say, look how big this problem is. Look, look how wide this wilderness is. Look at how big your God is. Our God is deep and wide. The VBS song we would sing years and years ago. Fear is simply forgetting how big God is. Instead, focus on God's presence. Realize that God is always with you. You know, we fear when we don't believe that God's really with us. Let me let you in on something. God's with you on your good days. But God's equally with you on your bad days. God's with you on those days that you really, really feel His presence. But God's equally with you on those days that you don't feel Him at all, feel him at all and you feel like you're praying to an iron ceiling. He's still there. And He's a big God. Isaiah 41 says, Fear not. There's 365 fear nots in the Bible. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you. Point one, while you're waiting, don't fear. Point two, don't fret. Israel's second mistake. Fretting just means that you're worried all the time. And what did Jesus say in the New Testament about worry? Does it do you any good? Does it add one second to your day? Does it lessen the problem at all? No. It just makes it bigger, makes it worse. Fretting is being worried, it's being uptight, it's complaining all the time. Numbers 21 puts it like this in verse 4, on the way, on the way where? To the promised land. But where are they at right now? In the wilderness. On the way, the people lost their patience and spoke against, here it is, God and Moses. They complained. They complained about everything. In our Bible class this morning, we were talking about this, and Carol was talking. They did the reading with the kids this past week, and, and as, as she's reading through this week's reading, the kids kept saying, boy, those Israelites, they sure complained a lot, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They complained often, they complained loud, and they didn't care who heard. God himself they were complaining against. They complained about the delay. They complained about the leadership. They complained about the water. They complained about the food. The food was always an issue. Manna, manna, manna. Manna again. What are we going to have for breakfast? Post-manna. What's for lunch? Manna burgers. What's for dinner? Manna kebabs. You know, what are we having tomorrow? Manna cotti. What are we going to drink? Manna shevets. I mean, you know, it's manna, manna, manna. They just constantly were complaining about the food. 
And, and it's so easy to gripe when you have to wait. I, I understand it. I get it. But instead, let me give you something better. Trust God's timing. Isn't that better than complaining? Just to learn to trust God's timing. Proverbs 19, 2, and patience will get you into trouble. And you know what I found out? When you're in a hurry, and God's not, best thing to do is just wait. Because complaining doesn't do any good at all. It's better just to wait. Because what are your choices? You want to go back to Egypt? Not me. Not me, Jack. I want my freedom. And, and, and I want my God. So hang in there and wait. And you know what? Let me just throw this in for free. I don't really have a verse on this. Maybe I'll find one one day. But I kind of believe that God gives us extra credit when we wait patiently with a good attitude. All right? You do that, and God will give you extra points. You'll find that somewhere. I think it's Second Opinions 4.6 in the Rokas Revised Version of your Bible. Number three. Don't fear, don't fret, don't faint. That was Israel's third complaint. Big mistake when you faint. What's fainting mean? It means to get discouraged, lose heart, and give up. Again, Numbers 14, verse 2. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses, if only we had died in Egypt. We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. If only and go back are words of discouragement. And whenever we talk about the good old days, wish we could go back to the good old days. Those are words of discouragement. We know that you're down, but you don't have to be out if you keep God. See, but some people would rather live in slavery than face the fear of freedom. Instead, be persistent and pray. Paul puts it like this in Galatians 6, 9. Let us never grow tired of doing what is right. For if we do not faint, there's that word again, we'll reap a harvest at the right time. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about the law of the harvest. What's the law of the harvest? You know, we're not an agrarian society, but a number of years ago, um, we took out a ficus tree. And nothing grew underneath it. And I had this dirt here. And I thought, well, maybe I'll try growing something. And I planted some tomatoes, you know, put some soil amendment in there, a little fertilizer, and doctored it up and planted some plants. Well, he's talking about the law of the harvest. And here's the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. And there's a delay between sowing and reaping. And you know what I found over the years, because I've been doing this now for five or six years at least that I can remember, is from the day I plant the little tiny tomato plant, you know, and you put that little round thing around it, it's about 75 to 80 days before I can pick off a ripe tomato. There is a delay between the planting and the reaping. It's just part of the harvest, the law of the harvest. Now, what do I do in the meantime? I can gripe, I can complain that it's not growing fast enough. I could just stop watering, stop pulling the weeds and hoeing, 
And I guarantee it, nothing's going to come up if I do that. And so what do you do in the meantime? You water, you hoe, you fertilize, and then 75 to 80 days later, you get to enjoy a nice, nothing like a ripe tomato, homegrown tomato, right? That stuff you get in the store you don't even want to eat once you've had one of these. We need to learn to wait. Why wait? Because when you're in your wilderness, that's where the character development begins. That's where your faith begins to grow and really, really increase. Don't fear. Don't fret. Don't faint. One more, and we'll stop. Don't forget. Israel constantly forgot. And the psalmist in Psalm 106 even writes about this in one of the psalms to remind the people to not forget. They forgot. Who's the they? The children of Israel. The many times God showed them His love. And they rebelled at the Red Sea. But He saved them as He promised. But they quickly forgot again. And can somebody say, and again, and again, and again. And we laugh at that. Because we say, how? How short their memory was. They had the ten plagues. They had their freedom. They had the Red Sea crossing. They had the pillar of cloud by day. The pillar of fire by night. They had the manna. They had the quail. They had water from a rock. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their feet never swelled up. And yet, they forgot again and again and again. Before we're too quick to criticize don't we fall into the same trap? God has blessed us. Just the very fact that we live in America. If you've got more than one change of clothing, you've got more than most people in the world if you want to look at population. If you went into your bathroom this morning and you flipped on a switch and a light came on, you're way ahead of the curve. And what, one little thing happened. Last week I had to get new brakes on my car. And, you know, you, can, you, you have breakdowns, you have problems, you have this, you have that. And, you know, we turn to God, what have you done for me lately? See, before we're too hard on them, let's take a little look at us. What's that old saying? You point a finger that way, there's three firing right back at you. Nah, God's still in the same place. He hasn't moved. What have you been forgetting about God? Instead, remember God's promises. Psalm 103, verse 2, we'll close with this. I will bless the Lord. And what's the next two words, folks? Say them with me. Not forget the great things He does for me. Don't fear. Don't fret. Don't faint. Don't forget. Get it? Good, let's pray. Some of you this morning are wondering why you haven't made it to your promised land yet. Are we there yet, God? Are we there yet? Let me let you in on a little lower story insight. He's waiting on you. You think you're waiting on God? But He's waiting on you to learn the lesson. To not fear, fret, faint, or forget. You know, God can do anything instantly and immediately. You know that. But you also must know that God is working on a larger agenda what is it you've been waiting on God to do? Perhaps you've been waiting for a financial blessing. Maybe you've been waiting for a physical blessing, a healing. Maybe you've been waiting on God to bring that right person along into your life. Maybe you've been waiting 
for God to turn a crisis into a solution. God hasn't forgotten, and a delay is not a denial. Not yet is not the same thing as a no. God will bring it to fulfillment if you don't faint, fret, fear, or forget. Father, help us in this area while we're wandering. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never known God or you wandered away from God, you can come back to Him today. We never like to close without an invitation. It's real simple. If you don't know God, through faith, repentance, and baptism, you can make Jesus your Lord and Savior this morning. If that is your need, we stand ready to meet that. Let's stand together and let's sing to the Lord.